Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, another lang- in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd, crowd gathered together and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in their native language. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist." The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on my name, on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please pray with me? Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for your presence in our midst in every day of our life, in every space of our life, but in particular for this moment of our life. And we ask that that spirit might inspire us and work in our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us. Amen. So today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, we sometimes call it, which and we call it that because it's it's actually one of the, the 12 great feasts of the church. It's one of the church's big holidays of the year. And if so, like, if you happen to be here at the beginning of the season of Easter, I think I showed this graphic, right? And I was sort of teaching about the church seasons. And there are six church seasons and then Pentecost in red. And it gets just as much space as the season of Christmas, even though it's just a single day. And that's because... Pentecost is a really big deal. It celebrates the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven. And that changes everything. Because before Pentecost, 
folks mostly believed that, that God's spirit fell on a select few. These were called prophets. They were the people who heard God's voice and, and they shared God's voice with the people. And then, of course, it's the people's job to obey the prophets. And this same dynamic was actually sort of the case with Jesus. Now, now Jesus was the embodiment of God's spirit on earth. He was filled with the power of God. So people listened to him and obeyed. And, and if we remember his friends and followers, his disciples, would sometimes share some of that power. Sometimes his disciples would hear. But other times they couldn't. And it seemed clear that the power they possessed was, was coming through Jesus. And, and that sort of is how it worked until Pentecost, when suddenly this, this sound of a rushing wind comes from heaven, and the Spirit falls down and lands on everyone. Like normal folks like you and me were filled with God's Spirit. And in that moment, like the disciples start speaking all these different languages. And, and Peter starts preaching, and 3,000 people convert. And as Sheila said, the church was born. It was like the church's birthday. But maybe the most significant thing comes to us through the words of the prophet Joel, who tells us that it won't only be the, the prophets and priests who prophesy. Our sons and our daughters will prophesy. It won't always be like the biblical heroes, like, I don't know, Joseph or David or Isaiah, who see visions. Your old men will see visions and dream dreams. And it won't only be the men who bring God's word. The spirit will be poured out on men and women. At Pentecost, the spirit of God is poured out all over the place. Like indiscriminately and abundantly. The Spirit is everywhere and in everyone. And sort of from this point on, normal folks will do wonderful works with the power of God. It, I, mean, I was thinking about this. It almost felt like a spiritual revolution where like the power of God was in the hands of a select few. But then it is shared among all. And this is sort of like, this is what shapes and defines who the church will be, is normal folks arise and lead. So, so every year we celebrate this at Pentecost. And, and Pentecost gets its own day. It's not even in a church season. And, and on this day, we do it big, right? We, we thought, if we're going to have confirmation and baptism in a day, we got to do it on Pentecost. And we, like, we adorn our church in red because red symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And, you know, like, I wear red pants, so even my pants declare that God's Spirit is poured out. Eh, never mind on that. <laughs> Forget I didn't make that joke. Um, we, we do everything on Pentecost. Everything except believe that it's true. And I'm not talking about the miracle of speaking in tongues. I'm talking about believing that God's Spirit's 
actually poured out to everyone. I'm, I'm not sure we believe that. And, and I want to tell you a story to, to explain what I mean. Uh, like a week and a half ago, I was in Indianapolis for this, uh, this meeting of young Christian leaders. And, and we visited a church named Broadway United Methodist. And, and Broadway has a, a pretty similar story to our own, actually. They have this, this big historic building that was, born in ni- or that was built in 1927, two years after we erected this building. And at that time, they had 2,300 members, which is about the same size that First Baptist was at the time. And, and much like First Baptist, Tacoma, Broadway began to struggle as the wealthy tax base fled for the suburbs and their neighborhoods struggled with crime and violence. They were as small as about 75 members until it was probably around 20 years ago when they started focusing on using their building to, to serve the neighborhood through this, like a variety of social programs, like a food bank and after-school care and a variety of things. Does this sound a little bit familiar, right? During our visit, we sat with a pastor named Mike, who he sort of helped the church turn around. And he told us a story about preaching in his church on Pentecost. He, he said much of the stuff that, that I said about the spirit being poured out. But after church, a, a woman came up to him and, and said, Today you told us the spirit of God is given to everyone. So how come we don't treat people like that? And Mike didn't really understand what she meant or where she was going. So, so he asked her to explain and she told him that, that when their church distributed the, the government-subsidized food, they required people to fill out a, por- a form that basically asks, how poor are you? Nowhere on that form were questions about people's gifts. Nowhere did it ask how God had blessed them with the power of the Spirit. The woman continued, if we believe that that God's spirit is flowing down on all people, young and old, men and women, rich and poor, why don't we act like that's true? Why don't we treat people like that's true? Why don't we treat people like God's spirit is flowing through them? I'm really tempted to answer that question. I wrote two sermons that aren't this one this week that answered that very question. But each time I tried to write, I would come back to the fact that that's not actually the question I want to answer. I don't want to answer, what's wrong with Christianity? What is wrong with us? Because that, that feels a lot like That same question, Broadway United Methodist was asking their neighbors, how poor are you? How spiritually poor are you? Why are we denying that the spirit is flowing through everyone? 
And I want to answer that question. I, I don't want to focus on what the Spirit is not doing. I, instead, I want to answer a slightly different question. What would it be like if we did believe the Spirit was poured out on everyone? What would happen if we treated everyone like God's Spirit was flowing through them? Just, just imagine with me for a minute. Or, no, or we'll, we'll use the language of our text. Let's dream some dreams. Dream with me what it'd be like to believe that the Spirit is already poured out on our neighbors, on our partners, and our friends, and, and even ourselves. Think of the people closest to you. How would it be different to look at your partner or your closest friend as an embodiment of God's spirit on earth? What would you notice that you've been missing? Can you imagine, can you dream looking at your mother or father, your children, your difficult neighbors or coworkers, and catching sight of the spirit poured out? Would we notice gifts we've been missing? Beauty we've been blind to? How would our relationships change? Or, or what about the Spirit being poured out on us? How would it feel to start the day and not think about the to-do list or everything we need to work on or all the ways that we fall short or all the things that we're not? But instead, wake and think that the Spirit is, has been poured out on my body, on this body, just as it is right here. My body is filled with God's Spirit. And that same Spirit has been poured out on our work, on our relationships, and on our day. What if we didn't start with disappointment with annoyance or the hurt, and instead began with the belief that God's Spirit had been poured out on each of us, on all God's flesh. I think it could change everything. It changed the way we do church, for sure. I, I, I'm guessing we wouldn't spend quite so much time like lamenting the death of Christianity in America. And instead, we'd, we'd wake up to what God is already doing in, in the spaces that surround our old historic churches. Maybe we'd learn from our neighbors. Maybe we'd learn that they're, they're great cooks. And, and instead of food banks, we'd, we'd open our kitchens to the neighborhood and let those great cooks start businesses or something. Maybe our worship services would change. Maybe rich and poor would worship together, and, and no one would get treated as, as more important than the other. It's, it's quite a dream. It's a dream that can transform us. And, and now that we've dreamed it together, I have something to tell you. It's true. That dream is true. God's Spirit has actually been poured out on all of us. 
And God invites us to wake up and see the truth of God's spirit at work. And and right, when I say that it's true, I really mean it. About 15 years ago, that church I talked about, Broadway United Methodist, they, they realized that that they hadn't been treating people like God's spirit had been poured out. So they decided they needed to look for it. And they found that God's spirit was resting in a man named Damon. Now, now Damon's an artist and a beautiful human. I spent three hours with him. And, and, And Damon just knew everyone in their neighborhood. So they hired him to be, the, his, his title was Roving Listener. It was his title. And his job was to go sit in people's homes and learn about how God's spirit had been poured out on them. And Damon met a, uh, got to know a woman named Adele. And he, he heard from everyone that she was the best cook in the neighborhood. So the church invited her to come into their kitchen and cook for them. And, and they saw, oh, God's spirit has poured out in this woman. So the next time, a big group of people, an influential group, I believe it was actually city council, was having a meeting in their space. Because it was a church like ours that has tons of people coming through it. They said, you can come here, but you have to use our cater. And then they printed up business cards for Adele and set them on every council person's plate. 18 months later, Adele was running a business out of the church's kitchen. And you can, you can still visit her restaurant in Indy today. And, and soon their kitchen was full of folks from the neighborhood and the food bank got shut down. And before long, all their social programs ceased to exist. They quit doing charity and instead began a series of programs that, that basically supported what was already going on in their neighborhood. And, and don't worry, I'm not about to challenge us to like drop our breakfast or quit all of our social programs. Damon and Mike actually told us like specifically not to do that. I, I think Mike shared a story of uh, his, his sister was, was going to a church and they said, we love your idea of a roving listener. We want to hire one. Can you send us the job description? And he refused. Said that is not the point. The point is not to mimic us. The point is to pay attention. Listen to your neighborhood. Because the gifts in your neighborhood are different. And our gift was in Diamon, And you have a different gift But God's spirit is being poured out there and here and everywhere. And and I I mean, the first time I visited this church, I saw it. I was interviewing for my job. And and the committee told me to show up for the breakfast, not to serve meals, but to get to know people. So I spent like, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes getting to know a wonderful woman who happened to be experiencing homelessness. And then I also knew that I was going to have to come upstairs and and people wanted me to, the committee or a couple folks on the committee. Actually, I think I remember this specifically enough. I think it was Ray that brought me upstairs to introduce me to people. And and I sort of know how this goes, right? When you you visit a church, they want to impress you. Want to show you all the important people 
in their church, all the big givers, all the connected folks. What I found was not what I expected. The first person I've met and one of the most celebrated per people was, was someone who'd been struggling with homelessness on and off for years. And the committee treated him in no differently than they treated, actually, Willie when they introduced me to, to Willie. And I was like, oh, and who's this? And then they were like, oh, he, was, uh, he helped save the church. He you know, did all these things in the church. And Doris and all the folks who had been these long-standing influential members. And then actually after church, the woman who I had breakfast with, she came up to a Q&A session where people could ask me questions. And she asked a question. And no one batted an eye. It didn't matter that she'd never been to the church before. It didn't matter that all her possessions were sitting on the seat next to her. She was treated the same as everyone else. As if everyone in the room knew that the Spirit of God had been poured out on her. And I knew the Spirit of God had been poured out on this church. And honestly, not every day is like that. It is hard to walk around and see the Spirit of God in every person we meet. Some days our church fails to treat everyone the same. Some days, I know I do, I know I, some days I feel like I just can't do it. Some days my fears and anxieties and self-absorption are just too much for me to overcome. But other days, the spirit seems to be spilling all over the place. Some days our sons and daughters prophesy and dream dreams. Some days we get to baptize the leaders of our church. And, and I don't mean the future leaders of our church, because Lila and Alyssa, where y'all sitting, and Gideon and Oliver, y'all are, are, lead, are leading our church right now. Did, did y'all know that you are our first confirmation class at Urban Grace? We've never done this before. We, we yes. And, and y'all are the first members that we've had who are teenagers. We actually, uh, it was because of you four, the council decided that youth should and could be full members of the church. We hadn't had that conversation. And in so many ways, all those kids down there, they look to you to see what's next, to, to learn, wow, what's confirmation? What's baptism? What's it mean to sort of transition to a more mature faith? And I'm so glad it's the four of you. Because y'all are bright and wise and funny. And you kept surprising me all throughout confirmation with your thoughtful questions and insights. And, and I already shared this when you two were changing still. But uh, y'all actually pay attention to my sermons? It's amazing. I love it. I already said that, that Gideon, because it was, it was actually Gideon and uh, Oliver were taught, we were talking about Exodus, and y'all were talking about a sermon, and I was like, I don't even remember preaching that sermon, and you do. And then this week when we got together um, with, with Sheila and Alyssa and Lila and me, and I think I was asking y'all, I was like, 
So, do you know anything about the history of the church? And you both sort of giggled and rolled your eyes like I was an idiot and it was the best. And you were like, you preached about that four and a half months ago. Of course we remember that. And, and adults don't do that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Trust me, we can talk about this later. <laughs> Y'all, Gideon, Oliver, Alyssa, Lila, the Spirit of God has been poured out on you and on your parents and your family and our church, on all of us, young and old, men and women, gay and straight, black and brown, and all the folks that just don't fit in those nice, tidy boxes. God's spirit has been poured out on all flesh. And God's dream for us is that we awake and see the spirit of God in our midst. Amen.